Hello and welcome to the Rugby Gods podcast. I'm John Keenan. No mai haere mai. Today is November 24th and now let's talk some rugby. Alright, so what a difference, uh, you know, 10 days or so makes, right? Uh, a couple of pretty difficult or pretty tough uh, weekends of rugby for myself. Uh, watching the All Blacks go back-to-back losses uh, against Ireland uh, and France. But I must say, um, I thought both games were very good, uh, and certainly I think uh, the All Blacks were second best, uh, but in a relatively good way. I think upon reflection, uh, obviously watching the matches, uh, watching some extended highlights of both matches again as well, uh, and sort of just uh, reading some of the stats and just you know having a look at some of the key moments and, and reading some of the reports. Uh, I feel like uh, with a little bit of time, uh, being able to digest it, uh, and I don't feel too bad about it for the All Blacks, to be honest. Um, it would be obviously pretty nice to be on the, on the right side of those matches, uh, but I really do think they were second best uh, in both fixtures. Um, but really it was mostly uh, due to high-quality rugby uh, from both Ireland uh, and then France uh, this past weekend just been. So, you know, honestly, uh, congratulations and well done uh, to both of those teams, Ireland uh, first up uh, and then France as well. Um, just really good games. Uh, and I think that was just kind of a hallmark or a theme actually of uh, all three weeks uh, of the November internationals uh, and basically all of the teams or most of the teams that were playing uh, you know, their fixtures. It was just high-quality matches. Um, so, you know, regardless of if uh, you're a, a Southern Hemisphere lover or a, a you know, European rugby lover, um, you know, like, regardless of how your team actually went, uh, per se, uh, I think you just had to admire that, you know, over the, over the three weeks of rugby, there were just a lot of good games uh, and a lot of teams just playing really well. Um, and, you know, that's certainly what, what I took away from it. Um, not really going to, or I'm going to try my best uh, to, you know, navigate away or, or not talk about uh, refereeing decisions uh, or perhaps missed refer- refereeing decisions, uh, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, you know, certainly that's a subjective part uh, of the game, uh, which, you know, probably does need to be tidied up uh, and, you know, genuinely looked at in some way, shape or form does sort of seem like referees are a protected species they never really seem to have any accountability there doesn't seem to be anybody who's uh, judging or refereeing the referee uh, if you know what I mean uh, we, ne- we never really seem to get um, you know a good official document uh, or like a good official like post-mortem of a match you know just showing like how well uh, did a referee perform or not uh, and I think, you know, that started to come to a head uh, quite significantly uh, in the uh, Wales-Australia game uh, where, you know, Dave Rennie, the Australian coach, you know, really kind of blew his stack uh, towards, um, well, basically in, in the press conference there uh, after uh, their third loss in a row, right, uh, on their tour up there in Europe. So, you know, I I would say, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's not pretty uh, to be going hard at the referees uh, and especially... The closer you are to the team, um, you know, the more, you know, professional you are inside of uh, the setup that is rugby. Uh, the the more you go at the referees, kind of the dirtier the look, right? But um, I actually do think Rennie perhaps does have a point or two, uh, and I don't think it was really just Dave Rennie or just the Wallabies uh, that were hard done by, uh, in some of the key moments uh, in some of those you know big matchups. 
uh, I certainly feel, um, you know, like South Africa and New Zealand, or I, or I guess perhaps New Zealand more than South Africa, but, you know, I certainly feel that all three of those uh, major Southern Hemisphere teams could probably point to some, you know, could point quite easily, I think, to some, some big key moments or some big key missed moments uh, from the refereeing uh, of their games uh, over those, uh, you know, November internationals. But, uh, you know, like I said, uh, going to try and not hide behind that too much or go there too much. But I do think it needs to kind of be stated uh, and, you know, kept in perspective. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's it's just not anyone's fault. Um, the, the way I see a, a rugby game is it's very subjective. Um, it's, a, you know, it's part of the beauty of what makes rugby so good um, uh, for me personally is that the refereeing can be very subjective. You know, you, you can have a, a fast-flowing game or a technical game. You know, you can have a referee uh, that allows a lot to go on off the ball, um, you know, or maybe not so much at this day and age, but, you know, to an extent. Um, you know, you can have a referee who's, you know, just very, you know, very technical and really wants things done well uh, around the ruck, the offside line, uh, at scrum time, etc., um, you know, like there's, there is just a lot of subjectivity uh, inside of a game. Every referee is different, uh, and I and I actually really quite like that. And you know, I've come to terms with it. Uh, and then inside of that, you know, even a referee who really wants to police, uh, you know, certain things or wants something to be free flowing, they can only really keep their eye on you know two or three kind of key points uh, in a game. Perhaps there's you know five, six, seven, ten you know major areas of a rugby game. You can only really, as a referee, stamp your authority on perhaps you know two or three areas in any given game. So there's always a lot of leeway. There's always a lot of uh, missed calls, if you will, or you know like uh, loose calls or tough calls or whatever. But but the real key is consistency, uh, and I think that is something that I would like some sort of like professional uh, referee review, like refereeing panel, like you know made up of. Perhaps um, a, a selection of, of ex-international referees, perhaps, or you know, ex-international referees, perhaps ex-players, perhaps ex-coaches, whatever, uh, you know, that can that can really just get together and genuinely review a referee's performance. Uh, and it's it's not about you know raking them over some coals and being like you know you missed this, you missed this, you missed this, you said this, it wasn't this. It's more about just throwing it down to them that they have to be consistent. So that you know the real the real dagger in a referee a refereeing performance is inconsistency, and if we could get inconsistency out of the refereeing, I think the the sport of rugby would be a hell of a lot better. So you know again just to wrap that up that diatribe up, you know I don't mind if you know you're going to go into a match and the the two key areas for you is you're going to be really you know you're going to be really disciplined with the offside line, uh, and you're going to be really disciplined say at the ruck and you know quick ruck speed no hands in the ruck, whatever, right? Like those are two key things you're policing. Fine. Now, make sure that you and your official team, be the TMO, the touch, the touch judges, know that those are the areas that you're really going to be strong on and just make sure that, you know, if you're penalizing one team for those infringements, you're definitely penalizing the other team for those exact same infringements. I think that's where you lose uh, or you just... You, you run and you, you basically you lose a lot of uh, supporters, a lot of passionate supporters. You, their, their goodwill runs out, uh, you know, when, when you see 
uh, phases and phases of something that gets put under penalty advantage or, or, or is just awarded penalties, but you go straight down the other end and then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's a yellow card. You, know, you just can't have that kind of inconsistency in your refereeing performance and everybody just says, hey, well, you know, the referee tried. It's like, well, you know, maybe not quite good enough. So, you know, that's yeah, what I'd like to see, basically, is just let's referee the referees, if you know what I mean. And it doesn't really have to be a big blame game. Uh, it's more just about, like, improving performance uh, in terms of consistency. That's what I'd love to see. Uh, and I'd especially love to see that, you know, at Rugby World Cups, obviously. But, yeah, uh, where to go from there? Um, well, what I need to do is recap, basically, uh, two weeks of rugby. So on the weekend just been, uh, I was a little bit sick, uh, unfortunately. I was able to watch a couple of games, probably watched a few less games than I would usually watch, uh, and I didn't get a podcast in uh, last Saturday, uh, so I didn't get the opportunity to put any uh, predictions in for week three uh, and or review week two. Uh, but like I just said then, um, you know, being a little bit All Blacks focused as such, Again, well done to both Ireland uh, in week two and France in week three, the weekend just been. A couple of really fantastic performances uh, from your side, um, from your sides. You know, full 80-minute performances. You really pushed the All Blacks hard uh, and you both came away, uh, you know, with, with significant victories, you know, high-quality victories uh, that I think you certainly deserved. Um, you know, I think... Again, could have been a little bit closer, perhaps. Uh, you know, the All Blacks certainly got themselves into, you know, pretty reasonable positions in both games. But I think, um, well, certainly in that French game, you know, that first half from the French was just incredible. Uh, and then they were very efficient in that last 10, 15 minutes as well. So they really did control that match and deserved it. Uh, I would say in the Irish match, definitely a, a lot more of an even tussle. Uh, but, you know, again, just respect to Ireland. They played a full 80 minutes, and that's what you've got to do uh, to keep yourself in a game and to keep yourself ahead uh, against an All Blacks team. So, you know, really well done for doing that. So, yeah, um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to have a quick go through and just try and review uh, all the games uh, and then obviously give you my margins, you know, like what did I pick for those matches as well. Um, so I'm going to try and do that for... Um, the weekend uh, 13th, 14th of November, uh, which is kind of like week two, uh, and I'll do it for the last weekend's matches, which is kind of like week three, which is, uh, you know, 20th, 21st of November. So yeah, let's get into it. Um, so the first game that I want to have a look at there is, uh, sorry, I'm just scrolling through here, getting a little bit lost. Yes, I'm on the right page. Uh, so the first game uh, back in week two, so this is two weekends back now. Uh, basically looking at the weekend of November 13th, 14th. So first game there was uh, Italy at home to Argentina, uh, and it was 37-16 to Argentina. So a, a pretty good win there, actually, uh, for Argentina. Uh, so I picked Argentina uh, by 15, uh, and they won by 21. So yeah, a really good result there for Argentina um, after a really difficult um, rugby championship. Uh, and, you know, a couple of pretty big losses um, to other opposition as well. So, yeah, uh, that was the first game. Uh, second match was uh, Scotland at home to South Africa, and it was a 30-15 to 15 to South Africa. So uh, I had South Africa by 3, uh, and South Africa won that by 15. 
uh, although I do believe uh, Scotland was winning there at half time um, so you know a really good second half performance from South Africa there uh, the third match was Ireland at home to New Zealand uh, as I've talked about a couple of times already uh, and it was 29-20 to Ireland so uh, that was a huge win for Ireland uh, really well done from them um, yeah just excellent performance so I had New Zealand by 10 uh, and Ireland won by 9 uh, so that was uh, a really big result there uh, and the uh, just to give you a little flavor there the uh, the community of Superbrew Predictors, um, you know, Superbrew, the website, um, that I do a little bit of fantasy slash uh, prediction uh, in rugby. Uh, I believe um, the community is, sorry, I'm just getting a little bit lost again. I'll scroll up. Um, had something like, uh, actually, no, I can't see the numbers there. Well, I, be, I believe you're talking about in the tens of thousands, perhaps 20, 25,000 predictors. Uh, and for that Irish match, uh, it was a, only 6% of about 25,000 people predicting uh, predicted that, that win for Ireland. So, you know, really well done there. That was a huge boil over. Uh, the next match was uh, Portugal at home to Japan, and it was 38-25 uh, to Japan. So you'd have to say, you know, Japan well and truly off the pace. Uh, just with what they're up to in week one against Ireland and then, you know, a, a fairly dismal performance against Portugal there as well. Uh, so I had Japan by 30 uh, and Japan won by 13. Uh, so yeah, you know, Japan not doing so well. Next match was England at home to Australia uh, and it was 32-15 to England. So I had England by 5 uh, and England won by 17. So uh, again, you know, a really good result there um, for England. They, you know, they really controlled that match against Australia. Um, into the next match, uh, it was France at home to Georgia, uh, and it was forty-one fifteen to France. Uh, so I had France to win by twenty, uh, and France won by twenty-six. I think they were sort of going through the motions there. Um, you know, after having a, a fairly light, you know, you'd have to say they, they, they did well. They certainly controlled Argentina in week one, but weren't particularly dominant. Uh, went down to the south of France and had a, a little bit of a training run there against Georgia. But, you know, obviously they were keeping their powder dry uh, for the following week against the All Blacks. So, yeah, you'd have to say, or like, you know, personally thought um, France perhaps under, underperformed a touch there. Um, into the next match it was Wales uh, taking on Fiji and it was 38-23 to Wales uh, so it was a really good win I thought for Wales uh, Fiji have seemed a touch off the pace uh, up there in the Northern Hemisphere uh, so I had Wales to win by 10 uh, and Wales won by 15 in that one so yeah, uh, those are all the games uh, that were available to you know predict on for like week 2 of the November Internationals uh, I believe that was like seven games uh, for that weekend. One, two, three, four, five, yeah, seven games. Uh, so how did I go? Well, I predicted uh, six correct. I predicted six of seven matches there, uh, and I got a margin point, i.e. my prediction was within five points of reality uh, in the Wales-Fiji match. So, you know, not too bad from me. Uh, the only prediction I didn't get was, you know, Ireland's very good win over New Zealand's. So yeah, so that was from a couple of weeks back. I uh, just thought I'd cover it, um, even though I'm a little bit late to the party. Probably should be doing, probably should have been doing this podcast uh, on Saturday sometime last weekend. 
So yeah, let's move it into uh, week three of the November Internationals. Uh, and we're back up to uh, a number of good games here. So this is the weekend just being uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, I think we've got eight games uh, for this weekend, or for the weekend just being uh, to predict upon. So yeah, uh, again, uh, I might just go through the results. Uh, so the first result was, um, sorry, I'm a little bit lost here. I've got Ireland-Argentina up, uh, but that was actually the final game on the Sunday. Uh, so yeah, I want to go through the entire round. So this is this is the games from the weekend just being, so November 2021. Uh, so the first match was uh, Scotland at home to Japan. Uh, and it was 29-20 to Scotland. So um, that's a really good win for Scotland. Uh, and, you know, just sort of compounding uh, Japan's, um, you'd have to say, pretty lackluster uh, tour of the Northern Hemisphere in uh, 2021, or tour of Europe. Um, I think I was expecting bigger and better things from Japan um, after they pushed Australia quite hard in Japan um, a few weeks before um, everybody turned up in Europe. But they really just haven't really performed, um, certainly, uh, you know, taken care of by um, by Ireland in week one. There was a, a huge hiding there, uh, and then in week two, you know, like not performing particularly well against Portugal. Thought they would be, um, you know, classier than they were, uh, and then you know losing to Scotland in week three as well. So you know, pretty disappointing uh, little tour there for Japan, you'd have to say. Uh, but very good for Scotland. You know, Scotland good enough to beat Australia week one, beat Japan week three. Uh, and obviously, you know, push South Africa pretty hard, especially in the first half uh, in week two. So Scotland will be pretty happy about where they're at, um, you know, pushing into uh, 2022 uh, and the Six Nations next year. Uh, but yeah, I do like a bit of Scotland rugby. Uh, and, you know, well done, good on them uh, for, you know, getting some revenge, you'd have to say, uh, over Japan. Uh, and, you know, perhaps establishing a touch of, dom a touch of dominance uh, back over the Japanese. Uh, which was certainly missing uh, a couple of years ago uh, at the Rugby World Cup. Um, so yeah, um, I had Scotland by 12, uh, and Scotland won by 9 uh, in that one. So, you know, pretty on the money. Um, and, you know, again, well done to Scotland. Uh, the second match was uh, Italy at home to Uruguay, uh, and it was 17-10 to Italy. So that was a really good performance uh, from Uruguay. Um, I've got to admit I didn't watch the match uh, and or even see any highlights of it, so flying pretty blind there. Uh, I'm assuming Italy must have you know, treated it a little bit like a rotational slash development game, I'm assuming, uh, for it to be that tight. Um, Uruguay had a match uh, a week or two before that um, taking on Romania, uh, and they were handled pretty convincingly by Romania. So, um, you know, I would have expected Italy to be a little bit better than seven points uh, over Uruguay. In fact, I uh, picked Italy to win by 35, uh, and Italy only won by seven. Uh, so either that was a really, really, really great performance from Uruguay, um, or that was Italy, um, you know, just ringing the changes uh, and being a bit random. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it might have been the latter there. Uh, the next match was Georgia at home to Fiji, and it was a 15-all draw. So again, you know, uh, Fiji in the wars uh, on this tour, uh, you know, not really that convincing against Spain uh, in week one, uh, and then, you know, losing, you know, pretty com pretty comprehensively to Wales uh, week two, and then a draw against Georgia, um, you know, Georgia probably not the 
easiest place to travel uh, in the world, but uh, you know you really would expect Fiji to be a touch better than that. So you know, well done to Georgia. They got themselves. Uh, well, I guess they you know they played themselves into some form by getting a look uh, at France the week before, uh, and a 15-all draw against Fiji is very good. So um, I picked Fiji by five, uh, and it was obviously like I said a draw. So there you go, interesting result. Uh, the next match was England at home to South Africa, uh, and it was 27-26 to England. So yeah, I, I had South Africa by three, uh, and it was England by one. Uh, and obviously that was a, a bit of a seesawing match, uh, pretty tight one. Uh, and, you know, England getting home very late in that uh, with a, a late penalty. So, you know, certainly could have gone either way. You have to feel a touch unlucky or, a, you know, a little bit of commiseration for South Africa there. Uh, but, you know, obviously England was there or thereabouts as well and, you know, gave a great account of themselves. Uh, and it was just, you know, one of those kind of like seesaw battles uh, that you expect to see when, you know, South Africa takes on the likes of England and or the All Blacks, perhaps Australia sometimes, uh, you know, when they're in uh, good form, etc. So, yeah, you know, it could have gone, gone uh, either way. Uh, and in the finish, it went to England by one. So England will be really happy with that. Uh, you know, a really good little um a really good little head out for England you know week one you know devastating against Tonga um maybe a little bit slow to start and you know maybe it started to rain once Tonga actually went down to 14 men so you know you probably couldn't read into that result too much but it was still you know pretty good work from from England what you'd expect uh you know week two a very efficient actually a very comprehensive win uh, over Australia which we just talked about before uh, and then obviously week three here, the big one, uh, you know, knocking out South Africa, the world number one uh, by rankings. Uh, so, you know, England be really happy uh, with that program uh, for November. Um, so, yeah, next match is uh, Romania. So Romania uh, taking on Tonga uh, and it was 32-20 to Romania. So, you know, Romania will be pretty happy with a couple of couple of weeks uh, of, you know, pretty good rugby um, in Europe. Um, and, you know, just being good enough um, to, you know, play at home uh, and beat uh, a couple of pretty good, pretty good quality teams uh, in Uruguay and Tonga. Uh, certainly, you know, teams that Romania would, would like to match up against and, and think that they're, you know, competitive with. You'd probably say, like, in a, in a Rugby World Cup pool, um, you know, usually, well, you have five teams in four pools uh, at a Rugby World Cup. You'd probably say, you know, the likes of Uruguay, Tonga at present, Romania, they're all sort of like band five. I, I would I would say they're probably sort of like, you know, your fourth or fifth team like in a pool. Um, so, you know, for Romania to, to get a couple of wins uh, over, you know, two or three weekends uh, against the likes of um, you know, Tonga and Uruguay, I think they'd be really happy with that. Uh, and it's obviously going to be very favourable or, you know, very good for their momentum uh, in terms of qualifying for uh, Rugby World Cup 2023. So, yeah, well done to Romania for, for getting that win. Tonga, you'd have to say, just a really tough year. Um, you know, tough to come down and, uh, you know, take on the All Blacks. Uh, failed in terms of uh, qualifying for Rugby World Cup 2023 uh, and losing... Um, their fixtures against Samoa and New Zealand as well, uh, and then obviously on this uh, tour uh, up in the north, um, they've been you know pretty shattered as well uh, by their opposition. So yeah, like plenty for Tonga to to think about, uh, you know, moving forward. 
So the match after that was uh, Wales at home to Australia, and it was 29-28 to Wales. Um, sorry, uh, I think I might have missed out giving your margins. Uh, sorry, yeah, just for that last one. So for Romania, um, for the Romania-Tonga match, uh, I had Romania by 15, uh, and it was Romania 1 by 12, so a pretty reasonable pick for me. Uh, next match, like I said, Wales at home to Australia, uh, and it was 29-28 to Wales. Uh, so, you know, they'll be pretty happy with that. Um, you'd have to say um, just their arc, like where they're returning to over uh, four weeks of rugby for them uh, as they played the All Blacks uh, in the final weekend of October, like outside of the official window. Uh, obviously, in that first week against the All Blacks, they were, you know, the All Blacks put 50 points on them and, and, and humbled them a touch. Um, although that game was certainly um, a lot more competitive than that for you know pretty large, for a pretty large stretch of the match, it was really just the final sort of twenty minutes in that one, um, and then you know uh, they they tried their best. They they were you know really strong and really in the game uh, against South Africa uh, basically in week one of the November internationals uh, and certainly could have won that match. You know South Africa took you know seventy seventy five minutes uh, to get up and get in front in that one. Uh, then they were very good against Fiji in week two, and then they were good enough to get the one-point win against Australia in week three. So you'd have to say, you know, Wales and Welsh fans, you'd have to say you're tracking quite nicely there. Um, I would say you're probably a touch-off of, like, you know, like true class or, like, the, you know, the true top teams uh, in Europe at present. Uh, but, you know, Wales could well be quite surprising in a good way, uh, perhaps like Scotland uh, for the Six Nations in 2022. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how well they go. But, yeah, I had Australia by seven. Uh, it ended up being Wales by one. Uh, and, again, you know, uh, one or two uh, contentious uh, decisions, perhaps, in that match. But I think uh, if you're Australia, you've just got to kind of, like, lump your coal, um, you know, much like New Zealand uh, and South Africa are having to do as well. So, yeah, uh, the next match, speaking of New Zealand, it was uh, France at home to New Zealand, and it was 40-25 to 25 to France. So that's a huge win there for France. Um, if I just try and recap um, a couple of the key stats there, I believe it was the first win for France in France since 2000, uh, which was pretty surprising for me. Uh, and it was the first time that they'd ever won against the All Blacks at Stade Francais, uh, and I think it was the first time they'd won in Paris against the All Blacks since 1973, or like sometime in the 1970s. So I was really surprised by some of those stats, uh, just to, well, just that how good the record, I guess, was uh, for the All Blacks, or just how bad um, that home, Paris home record uh, for France uh, had been up until the past weekend. Um, so... That's a pretty huge psychological marker uh, to, to push yourself through there for France, uh, especially you know two years out from the Rugby World Cup, where uh, I believe the next time these two teams uh, cross will be in Rugby World Cup pool play, uh, and it will be back at Stade Francais in Paris. So you know a pretty huge psychological win there uh, for France. So uh, yeah, I had New Zealand uh, by ten, uh, and it was France by fifteen. Um, yeah, all I can say is, you know, France really did control that match for, you know, significant periods. Basically, the entire first half was, was all France. They took their opportunities, they kicked all their points, they were just incredible. 
uh, and just relentless, uh, relentless at the breakdown, relentless def uh, defensively, uh, and then just creative enough as well um, to put themselves in the right spots and just challenge the All Blacks everywhere. They just, uh, they just did not let up. Uh, so that was an incredible first half. Uh, and I thought, you know, if France come out and play even 70, 80% as good as that in the second half, you know, the All Blacks could be looking down something historical uh, in terms of a defeat. Um, you know, I, I was thinking, wow, you know, the All Blacks could really be on the line for a, you know, 25, 30 point hiding uh, in this one. Um, but as it was, um, after half time, you know, New Zealand came out and showed a huge amount of ticker. Um, you know, they scored three tries and won that third quarter. So from minutes, from basically the second half, the start of the second half through to the 60th minute, that third quarter of the game, I think they scored three tries and they won it uh, 19 points to three, which actually had them only uh, two points back in the match. I believe at that stage it was. 27-25 uh, to France uh, with 20 minutes to play. Uh, so, you know, for me, uh, looking for silver linings there, um, I think that really was it for me. Um, I think at half-time, uh, I felt a little bit shell-shocked uh, from what I'd seen, just how great you know, like France were and just, you know, they just really were playing a level ab above and beyond the All Blacks. And I really did want to see, like, what kind of response can this All Blacks coaching group get out of their players, um, because there certainly needs to be one. Uh, and, you know, like I just said, you know, I was happily surprised there that the All Blacks were just so good uh, in that sort of 20 minutes after half time. Uh, and for me, you know, that's, you know, to, to get yourself back into that game, um, I don't think there's too many teams in the world that would have been able to make that competitive around the 60 minute mark, not the way that France had been playing. So I was pretty happy to see that. Um, that's certainly the, 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 the part that I'm taking out of it in terms of, you know, good confidence. Um, good to see that the All Blacks do have a gear. Uh, you know, when they're under the pump, they can respond and they can play good rugby uh, for this coaching group. I think those are some important things uh, to note. Uh, obviously, from sort of the 65, around 60, 65 minutes, uh, the game got a little bit crazy. Um, I, I think, you know, Wayne Barnes' yellow card of Adi Savia was, was pretty tough. Um, you know, I think even the most one-eyed Frenchman or, um, you know, just anti-All Black <laughs> supporter out there um, would, would say that that's pretty harsh, considering, you know, the All Blacks pretty much played with all the ball for 20 minutes and played a significant amount of that um, third quarter, like in the French 22, uh, you know, multiple penalties, multiple penalty advantages, uh, and France didn't get picked up for anything. I don't think they even were on a team warning. Um, and then, you know, you get you get an open play. It was, it was an incredible play, you know, Intermark running it out from, from his own goal, uh, linking up, uh, and, you know, the ball advanced about 70, 80, 90 metres down the field. Uh, but you'd have to say it was pretty unstructured. It was pretty open phase play. Um, Adi Savia was certainly trying to play rugby. Um, I think you, I think it's right to say you could penalise him, but I don't think you could could call it for a you know a deliberate, repeated kind of professional foul uh, by Adi Savia and or the All Blacks. Uh, so I think that was a pretty tough one, uh, and that's basically you know enough to you know certainly shift and swing that momentum back towards France for that final sort of ten fifteen minutes, and they were really good. You know they were very clinical at the end there and won it by fifteen. So yeah, um, a really good match, um, but yeah, definitely uh, humbling uh, as an All Black supporter to, to watch two teams, i.e. Ireland the weekend before, and France, you know, the weekend just been, um, just really step up and stand up uh, to the All Blacks and certainly be um, 
you know, as good as them and certainly better than the All Blacks uh, for large periods uh, of both of those games. So yeah, pushing on to the last game uh, of the November Internationals, a Sunday match. Uh, it's Ireland uh, at home to Argentina on the Sunday final match, uh, and it was a fifty-three-seven uh, to Ireland. So you know, just massive performance again from Ireland uh, to keep their uh, foot on the throat there. Um, I mean, what can you say? Uh, huge results there. Uh, first week or week one, you know, taking on Japan. I, I thought it would be a, a I thought Ireland would be good enough to win, but uh, I believe it was 60-5 to against Japan in Week 1. Uh, obviously beating the All Blacks by 9 uh, in Week 2. Uh, and then, you know, Argentina here, 53-7, with a, a little bit of a rotated team as well. Like, a, you'd have to say it was a, a little bit of a rotational session, developmental Ireland team. Uh, and to, just to be that dominant against Argentina, who had at least picked themselves up somewhat with a, a fairly useful victory against uh, Italy the weekend before. Um, you know, wow, what can you say? It's just, you'd have to say Ireland, basically, you know, form team, I think, um, of the November internationals uh, with those results. So yeah, I had Ireland by 18 in that match, uh, and Ireland won by 46. So, um, you know, huge result. Well done, Ireland. Um, just playing incredible rugby. So, um, yeah, those were the eight games from the sort of like week three or the final weekend uh, of the November Internationals. So how did I go there? Um, well, I picked, uh, how many did I pick? I picked four of eight matches there. So, yeah, uh, I did not pick the Georgia-Fiji draw. Um, I did not pick England beating South Africa. I did not pick... Wales beating Australia, uh, and I did not pick France beating New Zealand. So, yeah, I was pretty Southern Hemisphere heavy uh, on those three big encounters, uh, and I came off second best on all three of those picks, uh, plus the Georgia-Fiji draw. So, yeah, I picked four from eight there, uh, and I did pick up uh, four margin points, though. So I had um, three wins um, that I picked, you know, very closely, uh, if you know what I mean, within five of the real score. So yeah, uh, pretty difficult, pretty tough uh, final week there for me. Um, but yeah, not too bad. Like, just a little bit of fun basically to you know keep myself interested, keep myself uh, you know like watching, following, commenting uh, on all the games uh, that were going on over the last uh, sort of three weekends. But yeah, November internationals done and dusted. Uh, and you have to say, um, European rugby looking incredible. Um, maybe the last thing to say there. Um, if you kind of go back through that, if you go and have a look at the matchups there, I mean, for one, you've got, um, well, I mean, let's start off, I guess, with the bottom of the Six Nations, if you will. Um, so, in fact, we'll start with Romania. So, I mean, you've got Romania beating Tonga, uh, 32-20. So, you know, that's a nice win for sort of like your, your Tier 2, um, you know, Europe, outside of the Six Nations, uh, beating a Pacific Island team. So, nicely done there, Romania. Uh, you then go and have a look at Italy, Italy beating Uruguay. Uruguay has now just qualified for Rugby World Cup 2023 as America's one, you know, beating out the likes of the United States, Canada, etc. So, you know, again, you know, well done uh, there, Italy, as sort of like sixth team in the Six Nations, taking care of America's one. Uh, if you then push it up to Scotland, 29-20 to Scotland beating Japan. Um, so, you know, again, 
couple of teams that sort of ease around that sort of like top 10, top 8 kind of mark, quarter-finalists, on and off quarter-finalists these days, I guess, uh, and Scotland being good enough uh, to pip Japan there. So again, another good one for Scotland. Uh, then you have a look at the likes of, you know, Wales, 29-28 over Australia, you know, France, 40-25 to 25, uh, over New Zealand, you know, Ireland, 53-7 over Argentina, and then England, you know, 27-26 over South Africa. So pretty much basically you had the six nations, yeah, the six nations plus Romania uh, in that sort of like final weekends. Um, and basically everybody like got a good result. Uh, and I guess um, the, the final one there would be Georgia, um, you know, Georgia and Fiji. Quite often, again, they usually sort of like top 10, top 12, sort of like third in the group like in pool play at a Rugby World Cup. And, you know, Georgia got the 15-all draw versus Fiji. So, you know, if you scratch that one out, you know, well done to Romania and then all six of the Six Nations teams, you know, picking up wins essentially against uh, Southern Hemisphere slash, you know, like non-European competition. So, you know, really well done. Like, you'd have to say that that would have to be one of the best weekends of rugby for Europe, like Europe Inc., if you know what I mean. Like, probably, well, I'm, I'm not sure how far you'd have to go back uh, or like how you could even quantify, I guess, that statement that I just made. But I would say that was a probably the best weekend of rugby for for European teams uh, in my lifetime for sure. So yeah, um, gonna switch things a little bit and have a look at the full rankings, or maybe not the full rankings, but um, the world rankings uh, for the men. Uh, maybe just go through and have a quick look uh, at how things are going. Uh, maybe I'll run it out to. Uh, the top 10 perhaps yeah we'll stop it at 10 we'll see how we go there maybe a few honorable mentions uh, if needs be but essentially uh, full rankings so essentially end of the year because there will be no more internationals uh, being played in November and or December uh, the next round of international rugby fixtures will be the Six Nations in 2022 so these are essentially the official uh, rankings uh, for the end of 2021. So number one is South Africa, number two is New Zealand, number three is England, number four is Ireland, number five is France, number six is Australia, number seven is Scotland, number eight is Wales, number nine is Argentina, and number ten is Japan. Uh, and then, you know, 11 and 12, a couple of honourable mentions there for Fiji and Georgia on the outside of the top 10. Uh, Italy have gone or are currently at 14th. Romania have pushed themselves up to 15th. Uh, Tonga's slipped down to 16th. Uh, and you've got Uruguay uh, at 18th. So I think there's a couple of the uh, key teams that have been playing in and around, um, you know, the Six Nations, oh sorry, the Six Nations around the November Internationals uh, over the last few weeks and what they're doing outside of the top 10. But yeah, you know, uh, Argentina, pretty hard to imagine. Um, it's kind of, I, what can you go, I mean, let's go through it. I mean, well, the reason why I wanted to, to give those rankings is... Um, you know, rankings are obviously, it's just a, a calculation, uh, and it takes into account current form, and it also takes into account, I believe, like the last, like, year to two years worth of form as well, or like, you know, what have you been doing against other teams, uh, and there is a formula there. So, you know, it is a way, it's a metric of, of gauging where you're at, but I'd have to say, 
um, that current lineup doesn't really do justice to you know probably where the teams really are uh, at present just in terms of form. Like uh, I would say South Africa and New Zealand at number one and number two respectively probably really, uh, you know, it'd, it'd be pretty hard to say that they're even maybe in the top three uh, at present. Uh, I, I would certainly say Ireland would have to be, you know, your hot-to-trot team just with those performances against the likes uh, of Japan, the All Blacks, um, and Argentina. Uh, they were like, very, very impressive uh, at home over three weeks. Uh, obviously, England as well uh, did very well back-to-back weeks, beating you know Australia and South Africa, uh, and obviously you'd have to say France as well for you know how well they did uh, at home in Paris uh, against New Zealand. So you know I, I would probably put that as my top three in terms of form at present. I would probably say Ireland, England, and France. You know, heading into uh, the Six Nations in early 2022. Uh, then pretty much, it's pretty hard really to um, to separate South Africa and New Zealand, if you know what I mean, from there. You know, both teams shared, you know, a win each uh, when they took on each other uh, earlier in the season in Australia. Um, and then, you know, from there, you know, they went their separate ways and played different opposition, etc. Although I guess both teams did play Wales. New Zealand was pretty comfortable against Wales. A little bit of a dogfight for South Africa. Um... But, you know, like I would basically say that South Africa and New Zealand, is, there's really not much in them. And I would say they're basically fourth equal behind those, um, you know, behind the likes of Ireland, England and France. I would then say, you know, South Africa and New Zealand, probably fourth equal. Uh, and then from there, you know, you'd, you'd probably have to say Scotland and Wales should probably be up and over um, the likes of, of Australia. You know, just the fact that Australia you know, played both of those teams, i.e. Scotland and Wales, and lost to both. Um, And then just, you know, how well um, Scotland has been going, Uh, you know, taking on the likes of Japan for a win as well, uh, and pushing South Africa pretty hard. Uh, And Wales obviously pushing South Africa pretty hard too, Uh, and then also being good enough, um, you know, to beat Fiji as well as Australia. So I think, you know... The situation of having South Africa and New Zealand as one and two and Australia as six, I would say it's probably a little bit of flattery um, or it's sort of flattering to deceive uh, at present. And I really do feel like the, you know, the Six Nations teams, barring Italy, uh, should all certainly be, you know, in that sort of like top six, top seven uh, in the world. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think the Six Nations basically the Six Nations in 2022 just it's, it, it all spells fireworks like I think there's five incredibly good teams there um, that you know have shown that they really can give uh, the top teams in the rugby championship a run for their money uh, and or are better uh, than some of the uh, poorer performing teams um, you know outside of Europe in tier one so yeah really good stuff to see uh, yeah, maybe like final thing for me to touch on here. I feel like I'm not quite uh, as organized as I maybe should be or usually am. Usually I try and bring a little bit of structure to my podcast and, you know, maybe focus on this thing and move to this thing, use an article, whatever. Well, I'm just going to finish off with um, the um, Summer Internationals. Uh, we generally call them the June Internationals or these days they're played in July. Uh, so I guess we could probably call them the July international window now. Uh, so 
these are essentially the matches. It's like a three-week window or a three-weekend window that are essentially open for European teams, Northern Hemisphere teams, to come to the Southern Hemisphere uh, and play rugby. Essentially, it's the reverse of the November Internationals that we just had, uh, and they'll be played in July uh, 2022. Uh, what I find interesting is um, they seem to have gone back to three test programs. So um, I believe pre-COVID, pre-COVID-19, they were thinking that teams might come to, say, for example, uh, a team might come to New Zealand and play two tests and then play one test in Australia. A team might come to Australia and play two tests and then play one test in New Zealand, etc. So I, th I think there was a thinking of trying to farm teams around a little bit more and not have three test series uh, and sort of like um, you know break up their touring a little bit and get them to play at least two teams, maybe even three teams uh, over three weeks. But obviously that thinking has uh, gone out the window, uh, probably just for, I guess probably just for, you know, convenience um, and like, you know, health and safety protocols or just travel quarantine protocols, etc. It's kind of impossible um, to have that kind of, of schedule. Um, so they've gone back to three test series. Uh, and so, yeah, I just thought I'd quickly go through and show you uh, who's playing who. Um, so yeah, um, the first series is going to be Japan versus France. So Japan and France are going to have a three-test series in Japan, which is going to be pretty interesting uh, in July. Uh, second series will be New Zealand versus Ireland. So New Zealand and Ireland are going to go at it in New Zealand over three tests. Uh, the third series will be Australia v England uh, in a three-test series. So that's going to be pretty mouth-watering. Um, be very interested to see how that goes. Uh, the fourth series will be South Africa versus Wales, uh, which will be pretty interesting too. Uh, and the fifth series will be Argentina versus Scotland. So all five of those series, all five of those events, or all five of those series will be three test series uh, in the non-European uh, team's home. But yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Um, certainly... Uh, a couple of mouth-watering matchups there in terms of New Zealand v Ireland in a three-test series in New Zealand, Australia v England in a three-test series in Australia. I think that's going to be really interesting because uh, for me currently I would probably place Ireland as like the number one team in the world just on form, on current form for sure. Uh, and obviously they, they took care of New Zealand uh, at home in week two. So it would be very interesting to see uh, one how they go in New Zealand and would they be able to put that kind of performance together for three weeks in a row against the All Blacks or at least two weeks in a row you know to win a test series against the All Blacks so you know that is definitely the next step the next evolution in you know how good is Irish rugby so it's going to be really interesting to watch that uh, and obviously you know Australia at home to England that's going to even the ledger up somewhat um, you know, with good full crowds uh, getting in behind this Australian team. Uh, and England, you know, always a pretty good draw as well down down under. Um, you know, the team that everybody kind of loves to hate as such. So, you know, if those two series, I, I think they're going to be absolute belters, uh, you know, coming out of New Zealand and Australia. Um, you know, Japan-France series, I think it's, it's nice to see Japan kind of included in a three-test program. But I think France will probably do that fairly easily. Um, you know, South Africa, Wales, um, you know, again, you'd, you would think South Africa is probably going to handle Wales, you know, fairly efficiently at home uh, over three tests. 
uh, and then Argentina, Scotland. Well, you know, that probably is genuinely um, a matchup where the, the European team, the travelling team, the away team, Scotland, probably really does have uh, favouritism uh, over the home team, Argentina. But it will be quite interesting to see, you know, how could how what what could Argentina do in terms of you know pulling all their players back into South America, Argentina, bringing them around, you know, a, a strong camp and actually having them in the country for sort of like three weeks on end. I think you are going to see a, a a resurgent, you know, Argentina, you know, playing at home and playing at home for say you know a month of rugby, um, you know, that really might improve their performance. Uh, so again, you know, like the um, the Argentina-Scotland series could be very hard fought as well. But yeah, that's definitely some rugby to be looking forward to in terms of uh, the mid, uh, mid-year. mid So that will be July 2022. Uh, and obviously at that time, uh, you're, you're, getting, you're getting pretty much a, a year out from, from the Rugby World Cup. Um, you know, most teams will, will probably do a little bit of, of a phony war a little bit of a light preparation as such, a few, a few, you know, pretty basic fixtures, um, you know, in the lead up, but, you know, pretty much there won't be much rugby going on mid-year in 2023, or nothing too meaningful, um, or certainly bare minimum. So yeah, you know, you, you're certainly going to be able to get a really good gauge of just how much of a momentum swing from, say, the Southern Hemisphere to the Northern Hemisphere were these November internationals. Because at present, you'd have to say, uh, the rugby, you know, the pendulum has definitely swung to the Northern Hemisphere, to the European sides. They certainly do seem to be a cut above uh, the Southern Hemisphere at present, uh, based on those November international performances. But, you know, like, how consistent can they be? Can they actually come and win three test series uh, away from Europe, away from home? That remains to be seen, uh, especially for um, a, a number of those like high-performing teams, um, you know, such as Ireland, for example. Certainly, the next step that they need to move to uh, in terms of their rugby evolution. So yeah, I will be looking forward to that, and looking forward to the response from New Zealand, who have certainly had a pretty tough go of it uh, against Ireland uh, in the, over the last sort of four, five, six years now. Um, so yeah, they will certainly be looking. Uh, to play, you know, to play well, play strong, and make amends uh, back in New Zealand in July. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. So yeah, I'm gonna pretty much leave it at that. Um, so yeah, apologize for being a bit late. This is actually a pretty early Wednesday morning for me. Um, like I said, I probably should have got this podcast done uh, last Saturday uh, on the weekend, just been. But uh, I really was feeling pretty sick uh, for a few days there, so just didn't have the Certainly didn't have the motivation or energy um, to get that done for you. But yeah, hopefully I did my best there to um, provide a little bit of input, a little bit of value, uh, and recap uh, weeks two and weeks three um, of the November internationals. And hopefully um, I was able to pay enough respect uh, to Ireland and France, who were both really good uh, at beating the All Blacks and, you know, really deserved their victories. So well done. Uh, and also, you know, you'd have to say uh, congratulations to England as well. Like, uh, the All Blacks didn't cross paths with England, but, you know, back-to-back weekends, England took care of Australia and South Africa, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, so well done to England, uh, as well as um, Ireland uh, and France. And I certainly think those three teams 
probably in this order, Ireland, England and France, I would say they're probably the three best teams in the world at present, uh, you know, as we close out 2021. So was probably not prepared to be saying that um, a month ago uh, as I looked forward to the November internationals. Uh, I would not have expected to have seen uh, many of the results that I did uh, over the three weeks of November. But, you know, well done to European rugby, showing that you are very strong at present. So, yeah, going to peace out and leave it there. Uh, I hope you're well, and I hope uh, you're doing good things, and I hope good things are happening for you. Uh, and, you know, just stay positive in life. Uh, just enjoy your rugby. Just enjoy, um, you know, all the opportunities uh, that sometimes... Uh, don't show themselves perhaps so clearly, uh, but if you kind of look around, take the time to think about things, you know, perhaps there are, you know, one, two, three things in your life that you, you know, you just take for granted. Um, and so, you know, maybe just take a little stop and think about that and make sure uh, that, you know, you're doing everything that you can be, being everything that you can be in life. It's uh, certainly a good way to live um, if you can get yourself into that good headspace. So yeah, I wish you well, and I hope things go well for you. Um, signing off here, uh, just because it could be a little bit of time between drinks in terms of the next time I do a podcast, um, just the fact of it essentially being the end of the New Zealand rugby season as such. Um, so I certainly don't have too much to talk about in terms of uh, the week-to-week nitty-gritty, uh, be that at like um, international level or even a super rugby level. Uh, I might be back somewhere along the line though um, to just have a quick recap of the um, New Zealand National Provincial Competition and the two finals uh, that were played uh, last weekend uh, and yeah maybe I'll have a, a little bit of a look and see if I can find an article to, or two um, to look at the 2022 uh, Super Rugby teams uh, that have been announced I believe uh, this week uh, at the conclusion uh, of New Zealand's uh, national provincial competition. So yeah, uh, I'll probably get back at least one more podcast, uh, maybe a couple, but probably at least one. Uh, and then I'm actually in transit and doing a bit of quarantine, uh, and I'm getting myself back to New Zealand um, probably for the first sort of half, the first sort of six months of 2022. So yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see exactly uh, how consistent I can be or, you know, exactly what I can do maybe over the next, uh, you know, two weeks to a month. I might be uh, a little bit silent uh, as I, you know, try and get myself from where I'm living uh, currently, which is uh, Taiwan, uh, and I get myself back home uh, for six months. So, yeah, uh, so just a heads up there. Uh, if you are listening, uh, it could be a little bit erratic uh, perhaps after this week. But yeah, going to leave it at that. Uh, a little bit of a ramble as per usual. But like I said, I hope life's going well for you. Um, you know, try your best, do your best. Keep yourself uh, in a positive uh, you know, frame of mind if you can. And if you can't be positive, be positive for other people around you. All right then. Um, so yeah, I'm going to sign off there. Take it easy. Have a great week. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your year uh, if you don't hear from me. So yeah, goodbye. <laughs>